Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how to grow their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of Sisu and the host of the show. And today we are here with Dan Noma. He's the owner of Venture Real Estate and Investment, so Venture REI. Um, for those of you who don't know what REI means in this industry, it's real estate investment. So uh, anyway, excited to have you on the show today, Dan. There are so many questions about the you know, COVID-19, how's that affecting the industry? And with you, certainly we want to address how that's affecting the iBuyer industry sure. specifically. Um, Dan is one of Arizona's top real estate brokers. And whenever I hear that, I'm always impressed, Dan, because, or, and you're also one of the top real estate agents there as well as all the other stuff you're doing. So I'm excited to hear that, but Arizona is like just smothered <laughs> with top superstar real estate people. Right. Yeah. So, so how do you be the top five there? Maybe we can, why don't, why don't you get, I mean, you were named 40 under 40, um, named one of the top five real estate agents. Um, Anyway, I would just, I'd love to hear, maybe get a little bit more of your background from you and sure. how, how you've actually excelled in, uh, in Arizona with all that competition. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, this is definitely the, I don't, I, don't, I don't know why, but this is the land of uh, the real estate beast, we say. That's just, uh, it's been an interesting, interesting run. There's a lot of talent here for sure. Um, so, you know, my business, my core business, the brokerage is, is really set up to work with institutions, private equity groups and hedge funds, uh, specifically to acquisition and disposition of their assets. Um, we do a lot of acquisitions for publicly traded companies that are buying, you know, thousands of homes that are coming in to rent. Um, so that put us in kind of a unique position to really dive deep with the iBuyer, right? The iBuyer started in Phoenix about seven years ago. And so we, we early on learned that this was a tool in our business and not really something that was working against us. And how can we leverage this in our business? And so to be honest, our, our business really exploded, um, you know, once the iBuyer started, once the iBuyer actually got going and the idea of this instant offer became interesting, uh, we just kind of took what we were doing on the institutional level and shifted that thinking over to iBuyer. We were able to transact quite a bit. I think our, you know, our biggest surprises out there are just the way that consumers think. Um, so my team, you know, specifically focuses on consumer thinking. Like I might be the only guy you, you interview on the show that has a mindset coach. And I study not only my mindset, but consumer thinking. Cool. Really uh, dive deep into, you know, how people are reacting to different messages uh, so that we can maybe make sure that we're tailor fitting uh, to whatever environment they're, they're in today. Okay. So that's a great point. So consumer thinking, yeah. how is the consumer thinking right now? Here we are. <laughs> half of the country is on lockdown. Yep. Um, you know, people don't know, depending on what state you're in, you're able to sell real estate. You're not able to sell real estate. 
I can see you sitting in your home office right now. Yeah. So what is the consumer thinking right now since you're an expert in that? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, what we're seeing here, you know, it's, it's short for us. We've been, we've really been um, disrupted, I would say in the last two weeks in Phoenix, it's not been months like we're seeing across New York city. Uh, so I, I have sympathy for those guys, but for, for what we're seeing here at our, our micro market, is really that you know the 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 idea of certainty was interesting to our consumers before, the idea of this you know the ability to transact without having to uh, deal with maybe all the pain points that they've had to deal with in the past, right? Yeah. Appraisal issues, inspection issues, uh, uh, buyer buys something and and they're no longer financeable, things like that. Yeah. So we found that there was a big shift in our market from consumers wanting to eliminate those doubts and at least explore options. They wanted to see what those options were. What I'm seeing today is that consumers, you know, I have a couple of things. One is I think that the good news is a lot of them have some equity and we're seeing some patience. Uh, this is the first time I've seen patience in our market in a long time. Phoenix is always boom and bust. So uh, we we're typically don't have any kind of balanced market. It's very, very cyclical in that regard. But what we're seeing now is a consumer patience and also this interest, this uptick in interest in what is going to be certainty and what is this new landscape going to look like and how we identify that for our, for our consumers is really just that, you know, we have options for you that consumers don't have to go through your house. They're not going to have to look through your things anymore. We can do all of this stuff virtually. Um, inspections. There's one guy He's going to walk inside of your house and you're in and out. Like there's people are putting different values on, um, on certainty for sure, but they're also putting value on safety. Uh, that's something different. I think everybody's going to have a different, uh, take on that as the dust begins to settle here, but for sure it's, you know, what is that consumer confidence and how can we, how can we position ourselves as a real estate community to make sure that we're giving them some type of certainty in an uncertain world? Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you talk about these showings, right? Is that the new norm um, where you're not going to have people going through your house? Do you think, do you think this is causing some shifts in the industry that will be broadly adopted long-term? Yeah. I do. I think that there, there was enough early adopters of people that, you know, saw this as a threat to them, their safety and their families that moving in the future, they're, they're, this social distancing thing is something that they'll probably continue doing to some regard. Right. And so the thought of letting, you know, a hundred humans into your property potentially during an open house mm -hmm. is probably less likely now, right? There's, there's less potential sellers that are going to let that activity go on maybe that burns off with time, but I think the new norm is going to be as virtual as we can possibly be limiting the amount of social exposure we have is going to be valuable for sure. So is this going to be like a game changer for companies like Matterport that, that do some of this, these virtual tours yeah. in a 3d much, you know, much more, uh, maybe even talk virtual reality, right? I mean, is yep. that the future? Is this going to force virtual reality more into the to the uh, real estate space? It, we certainly believe it is. I mean, we certainly believe that this is now the time where at least consumers will start to think that it's it's acceptable. Uh, before, you know, we've been testing some virtual reality systems here in Phoenix using a company called Avatour, and uh, it's been great. 
but we've had a limited number of consumers that really wanted to transact that way. They said, well, I still want to come see the house. Like this was fun, but you know, will they, will they eventually start to transact that way? I think so. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure people are going to still want to kick the tire before they actually buy the house, but at least this probably limits the amount of properties that they have to go tour, right? So the more yeah. education we, we as agents can give them virtually, the less amount of properties are going to have to be touring around. Like, I think what, what the good, I mean, if I know it's hard to kind of see a silver lining in this, but the one thing is, is like, this will help us level up as an industry, right? And, and we're not going to have to work as hard. We're not gonna have to drive all these people all around all the time. It could limit our, our, our need to actually do all that stuff now. Yeah. Don't you think this creates more value for the real estate agent? I mean, it seems to me that for the last 10 years people have been trying to devalue the agent sure. all of a sudden i think this experience is actually showing more value in the agent would you agree with that for sure yeah i mean i i my, i own a brokerage here in phoenix we have 160 agents and what i'm seeing today is my agents are guiding our clients through this process right they're mm -hmm. they're finding solutions they're guiding them through the process i even said it in my my team meeting on monday that i was like man i can't imagine being a for sale by owner today when all of this is happening and maybe you have a contract that's pending and you've never had to deal with that before, right? Like it sounds great yeah. in concept to just sell your house to your, to someone that you've know off the street, but it's when the wheels come off the bus that everybody goes, uh, oh, oh, what do we do? Right. And that to have that, that person to guide you along the way with some calm and some, some factual information behind them, that's, that's invaluable. Right. So I agree. I, I think the agent is, is going to level up in this for sure. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, I think all of the agents and teams and brokerages listening to this podcast are going to be happy to hear that um, coming from an expert in consumer thinking, right? So yeah. Ho yeah. Hopefully, that, hopefully that's the case there. Yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, right now, people who are under contract. Um, I've seen some falling out. I've seen a lot still going through. I'm still seeing, obviously I'm I have a software company in the real estate industry. I don't sell houses, but um, my wife runs a real estate team of 20 agents. Uh, also now owns a brokerage with about 30 agents, just brand new brokerage. And I'm still seeing that these guys are, you know, they're still conducting business in Utah anyway, where she's having her best month ever. Um, and I don't know if that's because other people have quit working or what, but I guess my question more is around if if I'm under contract on a home, how do I decide to go forward or not go forward with sure. that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for, for us at this point, we we've kind of separated the, the, the pools of potential buyers in two pots, right? You've got a retail buyer and you have an investor type buyer. The investor buyers, we've been we've been tell, coaching them to be patient, and you know if the need is to buy, they have to execute the money. It's a 1031 exchange or something like that. Then of course let's transact and close. But if we can be patient and understand where the, the market, if, if it's going to fall, let's let's let the market do its thing so that we're we're buying right. For yeah. the retail buyers, it's different, right? I think we're all experiencing in most markets right now a seller's market, right? You put your house on the market. We're getting multiple offers in most cases, properties are selling. Uh, you know, those retail buyers, a lot of these guys have been, you know, kicking tires and trying to buy houses for a couple of months and have been beat out. And so this yep. gives them a nice opportunity to buy this stuff. Like in our market last Friday, we had 900 properties 
that were taken off of the MLS, right? So it further reduced our inventory, another 900 doors. Wow. And today our pending sales numbers are significantly up. So what that tells me is that the retail buyer still has confidence. The retail buyer believes that, you know, this is a health pandemic. This is not an economic pandemic and we need to, we need to separate those two. They still need a place to live and they believe that interest rates are low enough that even if you see a five, 10, whatever the, whatever the fluctuation that we could see in pricing, it's still worth it to, to them to buy this house today. Um, yep. So, you know, what I can say is I, I hope that there's enough pent up demand out there that can swallow up uh, any kind of supply that we see out there. And, you know, we could, we could see things normalize pretty quickly if that was the case. I mean, the, the retail buyers are one piece of the puzzle, but the institution amount of capital that's waiting on the sidelines to see where this actually falls, yeah. those guys are going to rush in, but they're not ready yet. So I think the retail buyers got a window of opportunity here to really take advantage of their ability to transact right now. And I, I completely agree with that. My daughter, in fact, just closed on a home today. Yeah. And when this all happened, she and her husband called me. They're like, should we, should we back out on this house or should we go after this builder to give us a discount? And, and basically, um, I just reminded them of, uh, they're at a 3% interest rate, yeah. right? They locked yeah. in at a flat 3%. Yeah. They're not going to be able to buy the a comparable house, uh, for long, right? It's going to be hard to find. I, I don't know. Tell me how you feel about interest rates and what's going to happen there. Yeah. I mean, the, the rate thing is, is going to be a hard one to, to, to put my thumb on today. I mean, what I could probably speak more to would just be the, the amount of cash that's sitting today, right? Like I went through this in 2007, 2008, when, mm -hmm. you know, my, my clients specifically in the investment world, they didn't have cash, right? Like we were borrowing, they were borrowing from banks and trying to make deals happen by using this. Now we're using cash. These guys are using real hard cash and equity to, to transact. So the, it's not like they're going to end up upside down in these things or, or things like that. Like the, 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 the chances of them getting back to some normalcy is much, much, much easier. Um, you know, if I had a crystal ball, I would say interest rates, you know, they've got to do something right. The bond market's not exactly great today. Um, you know, there's, there's gotta be some value there, right. For these guys to start picking these things off. And once that bucket starts to overflow where no one's buying these mortgage backed securities anymore, because the interest rates are so low, we're going to have to see them tick up. There's going to be some type of increase to that. Um, I just, you know, I don't know, I don't know how long it's going to take. I mean, what we're hearing today is that, you know, refi, 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 and everybody's going after it, which is great. Um, you know, and I think that they should as so long as, they actually do the math and don't and understand that, you know, if they're in a four and a half percent interest rate today and they bought the house six months ago, and they're only moving to a three and a half percent interest rate. They got to remember that they're paying a lot of interest in the front side of that loan. So it may actually not make mathematical sense to refi just due to rate. Like there's math behind that too. So especially since your average homeowner lives in a home about six years. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not going to make that up most likely if you're a typical homeowner. Now, if you're going to be there 30 years, which so many people think they are, but yeah, not very often is it the case, right? No, not very often. No, no. Yeah. Okay. So you just throw around the, the word institutional very lightly because for you that's second nature, but I think for most people in the real estate world, yep. if you're talking institutional money, they're probably overwhelmed with that. And it's like institutional. How? So yeah. Give us some background on how you got in with these institutional investors yeah. 
and how how you built that uh, network because I think that that's something that everyone should look at doing right it's a, an extremely valuable way to uh, to be able to do a lot of real estate so yeah maybe you yeah. could help give us some guidance along that if you've been enjoying grit please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend now back to grit yeah i mean the the single family for rent market uh today inst on the institutional side and i'll get into that what that means but is is really only represents two percent of the entire single family for rent market so most properties 98 percent of properties that are owned for rent today are owned by mom and pop investors the institutions now represent two percent of that but they've only been buying since 2011. so they expect that number to grow to 20 percent they want a 20 percent market share in the single family for rent market that could mean that they would own over 12 million homes across the country so when, you know, when is that supposed to get to 20 percent next five years okay. so these you know that was before before any kind of pivots here but you know, uh, so the first the first group that started doing this is Invitation Homes. So one of my clients is the, the president today of Invitation Homes. Uh, we were transacting in small uh, buy and sell working here in Phoenix. Um, he had this vision. He had this idea that he was going to take this, you know, multifamily concepts of being able to buy single family homes, manage them almost as if you would manage a multifamily project. Mm -hmm. And then once he would stabilize a portfolio, he could sell it at market. So he'd sell it on Wall Street, recapitalize and go do it again. And when he first came to me with this idea, I actually, my, my degrees in commercial real estate finance, I kind of said to him, I think you're kind of crazy. I don't think this is going to work. Um, if you think about just the, the amount of maintenance alone, that, that alone almost eliminates the issue. But they've mastered this. Uh, they came out with, uh, with some great programs and he, he quickly, you know, 2011, they raised about $40 million from a group called Blackstone, who's the largest owner of real estate in the world. Um, and they, you know, we bought 2000 homes that year in, in Phoenix. Um, so it's been, uh, it's been an interesting run. And so Imitation Homes was really the, the originator of this concept. Um, and then there's been others that have, you know, followed suit. But basically what they are is they're publicly traded entities that own single family homes for rent, that, that the assets within that entity are publicly traded. Um, so now you as an investor, you can also invest in a group like an invitation homes where, you know, you, you own a piece of their entire portfolio and, and this thing, you know, is cash flowing significantly. So I think what the biggest surprise and the, you know, why this is so new for everybody to, to, to conceptualize is we just didn't realize how many people wanted single family homes versus wanted apartments, right? And, and that's where they hit the nail on the head. Um, so it's an industry that continues to grow. Um, so there's, there's, you know, all kinds of information out there if, you know, you guys want to research this stuff. But, um, you know, the, the idea of some kind of stabilization where, you know, you could live in, a, say, an invitation homes in Salt Lake and you could move from that property into a home in Phoenix and still have your same landlord is kind of the, the concepts that we're seeing today. So these guys own invitation has a hundred thousand homes across the country, uh, progress residential, probably 85,000 homes across the country, American homes for rent, probably 75,000 homes across the country. So these groups are big, um, you know, and they they have significant, significant impact. And if you think about a fund, right, just conceptually, let's say they, 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 they raise $9 billion to go out and, buy single family homes for rent. 
when, the, when they could stabilize that portfolio of $9 billion of single family homes, they take that to market and the prospectus says, hey, we think the value of putting all this together and aggregating this future value is probably $11 billion, right? So now they get their 9 billion back. They also made $2 billion and they go out and reinvest and redo it again. So a group like Imitation, they're on their seventh fund uh, wow. doing the same thing. Yeah, that's very cool. So how is a real real estate agent or real estate team owner or broker owner, how do I, how do I get in to this network? Yeah, for sure. So this is uh, this was the really the fundamental baseline reason that we we built a real estate certification. It's called I Real Estate Pro. Um, you know, being in the space like in Phoenix, I I was kind of running an iBuyer game ahead of the iBuyers. And with I Real Estate Pro, what we do is first of all we educate our agents on how to work with the iBuyer and the institution. The second thing that we do is we give them access to, right? So we give them access to all of these groups so that they can submit their properties to them for offers and they can get offers on their properties from these guys. Okay. Um, so it's, it's until now, it's very much been, uh, you know, a who you know business. Uh, but more recently now, we've really been able to streamline the process and um, make sure that these guys are, you know, looking at properties that only work for them. And then also giving our agents the ability to give their consumers just another option. And that's really what the, the basis of iRealEstate Real Estate Pro training is to empower the real estate agent for the best consumer experience. And that's, that's what we do there. So you uh, built iRealEstate Real Estate Pro, was that in 18 that you put that together? We did, yeah. So we built it in 18. We actually launched here in Phoenix. We launched in August of, of 19. It was our first ever kind of live event that we've done with that. Um, so today, you know, we've got over 3,000 certified agents across the country uh, who have taken the course and are, are members of our community inside of the platform. Um, you know, and so the, it, it's been, it's been a, a fun ride to see, especially with the growth of the iBuyer and the institution across the country, real estate agents always have a buyer. There's always something to do, right? And, and I think that's the, that's the thinking behind this is that, the, you know, as long as we go fish for properties that these guys will buy, um, right now, only one in five people are actually accepting the iBuyer or the instant offer. The rest of them are going to list their property traditionally, right? So what this is, is, is really the greatest listing acquisition tool in U.S. Mm -hmm. history, right? Yeah. So like my brokerage, we weren't set up for this. I never, we never did any retail business. It just wasn't our core business. I started practicing this way and started giving consumer all of these available options, right? Because they would drive past an open door billboard or an offer pad sign, see a Zillow commercial or whatever it was. And if I didn't bring those options to my consumer, I started losing credibility. So I started just mm -hmm. bringing the option to the consumer. I just so didn't you realize- would just go online and look up those yeah. prices and say, yeah, this is what you can get from here and here and here. And yeah, yeah. And that was so, part of your listing presentation, basically. Yep. So we showed up to the door and the more I, you know, I learned this process is the more, the more buyers that I brought to the table, the more options I bought to brought to the table for my consumers, my consumer credit, the credibility of me went up. Right. And it started yeah. to, remo I started, yeah. And I started to remove consumer doubt that there was other options. Right. So what we always say is we just want to be involved in every conversation, whether they end up, you know, I buyers a great option for them. Great. If listing retail is a good option for them, that's great too. Right. Or, you know, all these other little tools that are available to, to agents, we just have to make sure that we're in the conversation. If we're outside of the conversation and they go there directly without us, they're out of our database forever. So yeah. we're going to make sure that they stay within our, our ecosystem. 
Okay, so you started doing that and saw that gap yep. between between the institutional investors, basically the I, yep. large I buyers, yep. and between between the real realtor who's going out and listing homes. Right. And you said, I'm going to put this together and empower that realtor to be involved in all this. And that is essentially what Real Estate Pro does. Is that right? You got it. Yeah. So, you know, we've got a, the ability for an agent, you know, they can, they can submit to each one of these groups independently. You know, we don't get involved in the transaction itself. So we just connect agent with buyer. Yeah. Um, we're not involved in the transaction. This is a strictly a training course. So they aren't paying us a referral fee or anything for their transactions. Um, but we, we just, we simply show them, you know, how to transact with these people and then put it into an organized format that your consumer can understand when they get the information back. Yeah, I love it. Very cool. Um, let's talk about property management for a minute. So do you actually own a property management company as well? I do. Yeah. So we, uh, we manage about 600 doors here in, in Maricopa County in Phoenix. I think that's another uh, word that can overwhelm a lot of people in real estate. Yeah. Your property management go, Oh, I mean, it's like, yeah. is that, I mean, everyone's heard everyone in real estate, I think has really heard, Hey, you know what? You can own a property management company and make a lot of money. And it's actually a pretty simple business. But when you start thinking about how am I going to get into that? It seems overwhelming. Maybe you could yeah. give some tips on that. Uh, again, if you, if you look at our listeners, uh, these are people who are mostly running very successful teams or brokerages. Cool. but looking to create wealth, right? Yeah. And a lot of the things that you've done here are really long-term wealth builders. So I, I love what you're doing here, Dan. Cool, thanks. Yeah, property management for us was, uh, was built out of necessity. I was referring it out to other property management companies and my clients would come back to me and tell me that they didn't have a great experience. And I knew that if they didn't have a great experience on the property management side, they weren't gonna buy that many more investments from us, right? So I needed to make sure that I was controlling both sides of the, of the coin. And so we built property management uh, eight years ago within our brokerage. Um, and we really just started with our own clients and we just started just kind of, you know, letting them know that we had this option available to them. Um, you know, I would say so far so good. It's, it, it, is it more complicated than simple brokerage? Yeah. Is, uh, is there, is there money to be made? Certainly. Um, you know, I think that uh, in our market, especially we can focus on vacation rental management. So while that wasn't so good, this most recent spring training season in the past, historically, that's been a really good seasonal kind of rental business for us. Uh, so about 90 properties in our portfolio are just vacation rental. The rest are all long-term. Uh, it's uh, for us, it's, it's given us a couple different things. One is, you know, a place for, some kind of sustainable income, right? So like every single month I can basically count on tenants paying the rent. I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna get X amount in management fees. So it's created almost a baseline of, of you know, uh, revenue for the brokerage that, that has been, been nice. Second piece is, you know, I keep these clients in my ecosystem. So they're not going outside of the ecosystem um, so to a different property management company where they might be seeing different ads and being shopped by uh, potential sale options and things like that. And then the, the, the third piece for us is really just access to the investor and continued kind of communication with them. So we update our investors with their portfolio and we explain to them, hey, look, you know, <clears throat> now might be a good time to sell. And if you do sell, we have another buyer that's coming in who, you know, his money's in a different place. So we need to we're going to sell your property to him or we're going to go buy two more for you. 
right? And so we're analyzing properties that way. So we're actually growing our business by using the property management company and really managing their portfolio. I mean, we like to think of this as the, the Charles Schwab of, of, you know, real estate investment, where we're actually looking at it from a portfolio perspective, trying to help these guys really decide when's the right time to make those decisions. Um, and then along the way, I mean, there's bumps, I'm not going to paint a perfect picture for you. I mean, there's definitely bumps with tenants and especially right now there's some uncertainty on who's going to pay April's rent, but um, you know, for the, for the most part, property management is, uh, it can be a pretty peaceful business. If you just use the right systems and right tools, uh, I think it's been, it's been great. Okay. Thanks for yeah. sharing that. I think it's yeah. valuable. Uh, how do you communicate with your investors? Do you have a software that you do that with or how, what's the main direct line of communication? That we you, do. Because with any business, whether you're listing homes mm -hmm. or working with institutional investors, Communication is the key to, to have long-term successful relationships, right? Yep, absolutely. So, you know, if they're in our property management world, um, they, we, we subscribe to a system called Propertyware. And within Propertyware, we can provide them all the analytics and information that we, we, we feel like they should be receiving. If they're not yet in our property management world and we're just communicating with them, um, we like to use video in our brokerage. So we've, we've shifted over to video email. We use BombBomb for video email. Um, so we've learned that the more visual we can make it for our investor clients and we can say to them, Hey, I'm underwriting this property for you today. Here's, here's what the rents are. Here's, here's how I got here. We found that our close ratio went up once we shifted over to video because they could actually see us visually underwriting the property in real time. Mm -hmm. That way they knew we didn't just come up with a number, right? Like we didn't just decide, Oh, it's worth 300,000 we actually dove in and showed them why we think it's worth 300,000. So we found that video was a, was a huge asset for us in that regard. Um, and then our CRM tool is simple. We use Podio, which is like a $15 a month solution. Um, you know, and you can build it yourself. Uh, it's very kind of plug and play user-friendly. You don't have to be a programmer to figure it out. Um, we use it in all aspects of our business to, to keep in touch. And um, that's our, that's, that really is the heartbeat of the company. Okay, great. Um, I, I know uh, in looking at, just looking online, doing a little research on you, uh, community service is a big thing for you. And I find with, for a lot of the most successful people, that that's important. It's giving back. Tell us about um, some of the projects that you do there. Yeah, so uh, most recently we've been uh, getting involved with our uh, St. Vincent de Paul group here in Phoenix. Uh, my team has found a ton of value in just, being involved on their campus and uh, we've gone over there and we've been doing pizza for them on Fridays. So we can actually make pizza for, for the group there. They've got a great pizza kitchen set up. So it's been an awesome team builder for us. And plus, you know, we're give, give, give back to the community a bit. Um, and then the boys and girls club here, like we're constantly sponsoring, uh, you know, events and things for the boys and girls club here. These kids are, uh, you know, definitely in need in, in certain areas. And so we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we're here and we're active. So those have been great ones for us. We just got done. Uh, we call it our drop, drop your drawers event here in Phoenix, where we, at each one of our office locations, uh, St. Vincent de Paul had a need for underwear. And so we collected, you know, package still underwear, uh, and, and had everybody dropping them off at our offices. And that was a, that was a fun event that we just did this quarter. Oh, cool. Yeah. Love it. Drop your drawers. Drop your drawers. Yep. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, it's, it's been, a really, I think, 
great experience just uh, for our listeners and I know for me to just get some of these knowledge bombs for you. Um, and just wrapping up, I just have a few questions that uh, we ask all of our interviewees. And just uh, first one is just, what's your favorite book or, and you know, Gary Vee doesn't read books, right? So yep. maybe, maybe some don't either. So what's yep. your favorite book or source of learning? What's, what's something that everyone should do? And maybe they yep. could take a tip from you on that. For sure. Yeah. So, so I do, like I said earlier, I've got a mindset coach and, uh, and Chris Doris is, uh, is my coach and he has written a few books, but this one specifically is called the daily dose. Um, and my brokerage and team and everybody, uh, has a copy of the book and we share them often, but every, you know, there's, there's a daily, just kind of a one paragraph thing that you can read every single day. And that's how we kick off our day is, is by reading the daily dose. So for me, it's the daily dose. That one is, is my fave. Cool. I love it. Yeah. Okay. What's your, what's your favorite place? Oh man. I've, uh, I actually like it here in Northern Arizona. We've got a, we've got a cabin up in Northern Arizona here and that's uh that's my happy place. That's a great place to check out, play some golf and I love playing golf. So anywhere on the golf course is good, but that one specifically is, is my favorite right now. Is that Prescott? Is that where that is? It's in uh, Sholo, Sholo, oh, Arizona. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. And what about your favorite thing to do? It sounds like that's probably golf. Don't let me. It is. It is. Yeah. I love to play. So any, any opportunity I get, I love to play. So it's limited a little bit. I've got three or four year old triplets at home. So my, my days of uh, playing golf every day is, is pretty limited, but when I can, Uh, when I get out there, I I would guess so. So you're probably excited to get them up into uh, (laughs) maybe the double digits so that you have a little more time. I'd like to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have any other advice, Dan, that you would love to share? Just, I don't know, something we haven't touched on today that might be, might be valuable for our listeners, um, especially at this time. I mean, what, what can I be doing as a team owner, broker owner, agent yeah. today during this time of uncertainty? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that data is, uh, is a currency today, right? So if I was an agent today and I had a farm area or something specifically that I was looking at, the thing that I can provide to my clients right now is I can provide them data. And right now, like you could turn on two news stations and hear two totally different stories on the same subject. So data is king. And if we can make sure that we're providing our, our consumers with real data of what's happening in their neighborhood, like here's the amount of properties that were listed in the last week, Here's the amount of properties that went pending. Here's the price point per square foot that they sold at in those various different price points. And here's our, our, our current days on market. Like that's information that is, you know, directly related to their little micro markets that they can't just get from turning on the news and all of our agents have access to that stuff. And so what I've been preaching, uh, you know, for the last few, few days here specifically is that, Data is the currency. That data is the real currency that we could play with today. Um, and so let's let's be let's be you know sharing as much of that as we have access to, um, and that's going to help us get through this much much faster. Great advice, love it. Um, so how can people get a hold of you? And I mean, it sounds like I, I actually have an interest in learning more about real estate pro. I'm like, that's cool. very cool. Yeah. I want to learn about that. So. Yeah. 
that's just realestatepro.com. Is that, is that how we go there? Yeah. You guys can go to irealestatepro.com um, okay. or you can find us on social media. irealestatepro is available there as well. Um, but yeah, irealestatepro.com. You can hop on there, check us out. We've got videos about what the course covers and all the things and tips and tricks that are in there constantly updating it. And then we've got an awesome community inside of a closed Facebook group uh, where agents are sharing best practices across the country. Um, we've, uh, we found that to be probably one of the more valuable pieces of the puzzle for sure. Great. And is there, as far as best way to get a hold of you directly, if I have questions, Dan? Yeah. Uh, you can just send uh, an email probably to, uh, to Dan at irealestatepro.com and uh, I'd be happy to answer any questions anybody's got there for sure. Awesome. Okay, Dan, well, it's been great. Thank you for your time today. Uh, it's super valuable to, to be able to collect information from people like you, awesome. especially during this time of uncertainty. So thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.